Hexo was born five years too early. So think of, we were the first company to put 3D models on Ikea.com and Walmart.com and, and uh, H&M.com, right? So these, these were our first design partners back in 2017. Um, back then, browsers didn't even supported, uh, uh, properly supported uh, 3D assets to be rendered on, on the browser. So, you know, in the early days, we were kind of trying to figure out where's, where's that, this technology of value. Uh, but the benefit is that because we survive and are, and now, now are succeeding, we have all of that experience working with our network, understanding what works and what doesn't, and we're able to create a lot of value for them today. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Thank you very, very much for joining me and talking about your own entrepreneurial journey and your own history and background today uh, with Hexa, looking at the 3D space, you know, all the, you know, all, all tech stack from content creation, management analysis, et cetera. I'm really excited to dive into what, what all this means and where this falls into your own career. But I have to understand how, how is it that you decided to be an entrepreneur instead of being a butcher? I don't get it. Well, what's, what's happening? <laughs> well, I'm a third generation butcher. That's my, that's and my first third profession. generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. For all the way from Morocco. So, uh, third generation grew up at the, at the market, uh, learned business there, uh, through actually serving people. So entrepreneurship is in my heart. Uh, my dad is an entrepreneur. Uh, and I, I've been building companies since I was 21, literally three months after I finished my service, I opened up my first company, uh, still in the same areas of expertise as my ancestors. Um, but after a few years, it's kind of, it, it wasn't there in terms of the challenge that I'm looking for. Uh, so I decided to start doubling with, uh, with high tech companies. My first one was, um, kind of a, I was a media buyer in an ad tech company. Which is kind of strange because the differences between selling chickens to Europe or buying traffic from someone, uh, you'll be amazed about how, how similar those jobs are, uh, depending on what you're doing. Um, so for me, building Hex after about a year and a half, learning the space, the all-night space was kind of a no-brainer. It, it was really, really interesting. And I think that the challenge really uh, attracted me. I love it. Okay, so tell me a little bit about you know what you're doing today, and and I'd love to start from sort of the landscape of uh, you know of three D and a little bit about the pain point that we're observing here and the the landscape of opportunity. 
Right. So so let's divide it into two, kind of what we're doing. So we're doing something very simple, right? A lot of companies are doing the same thing. They're taking a very, very complicated process and they're making it an easy one, right? So if you want to create 3D content or do you want to manage 3D content, today it's extremely complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. So we just made that process very simple. We work with companies like Amazon and Walmart and change the way they visualize and communicate the products using synthetic data, right? 3D. And so I do want to make sure because we've been hearing about 3D in media for quite some time, but I think probably most listeners or viewers would think 3D and say, okay, great, 3D is is what happens when I go watch Avatar in the cinema. It's a little different in, in the way that you're, you know, the scale and the types of 3D that you're working on. What is 3D in our world when it comes to media? Right. So when it comes to media, typically the customers that we work with, they want to create digital twins of their assets. Now, their assets can be products. They can be rooms. They can be environments. They can be pretty much anything that they're using today in the physical world. And they understand they're moving into 3D because they understand it's just a more efficient way of doing stuff. I'll give you the simplest of examples, right? If you're a jewelry company and you want to create this amazing 360 of a, of a ring, you don't even have to, cr- to physically create the ring, right? You can synthesize, you can create everything in 3D and, and render the video. So instead of moving models and products into expensive studios and are pollutive, right? So all of that transaction, all of that transportation is pollutive. You can simply click a button and solve that problem digitally. And that's just one, you know, small problem. I think one, one of the most interesting projects we did was with the Lakers and, and Snapchat. If you go to the Lakers website today, you can virtually try on LeBron's jersey. So before we had these type of technologies, you needed to go to the physical store. Now you don't, and technology is improving very, very rapidly. But if you look kind of, if you put Hexa, like what are the two main problem clusters that we're solving? One is content creation. So how do you convert a very partial data set into that high fidelity 3D model? The only machine that can do that today, by the way, is the human brain, right? So that's what we're mimicking. So that's one problem cluster that's massive. And second, once that kind is created, how do you extract value out of it? We see so many use cases. We see a lot of companies that are coming to us saying, I have that specific problem, that specific problem. Can you solve it? And then for each of them, we build a customized workflow. So that's kind of the platform that we've built, a place where you can solve all all of your content needs that are synthetic. Well, was this the... A, the vision and the understanding from the get-go was that it was a clear that <laughs> this was the pain point no no it took us a lot of time to get there uh, you know going to the beginning uh, to the early days of um yeah the early days of uh of of hexa was it clear cut and so it wasn't clear cut we made was- so many pivots so the, the the pivots that we've made like product pivots uh, business model pivots, uh, uh, technology pivots, we pretty much did it all, right? So it, it took us seven years to get to a place where we have that initial market fit to some of the use cases that we're solving, right? That we're serving. Um, 
And the main reason is that the industry, right? Hexa was born. I always say that Hexa was born five years too early. So think of, we were the first company to put 3D models on Ikea.com and Walmart.com and, and, uh, H&M.com, right? So these, these were our first design partners back in 2017. Um, back then browsers didn't even supported, uh, uh, properly supported, uh, 3d assets to be rendered on, on the browser. So, you know, in the early days, we were kind of trying to figure out where's, where's that, this technology of value. Uh, but the benefit is that because we survive and are, and now, now are succeeding, we have all of that experience working with our network, understanding what works and what doesn't, and we're able to create a lot of value for them today. How is this economy shaping? Can you, you know, go with me on, on who are the different players in this, in this sort of economy and marketplace and where Hexa is positioned and what really, you know, makes this economy go around of, of 3D content? Yeah, sure. Um, so you have content creators, right? So if you want to create any type of content, right? If it's visual, like images, you have 3D studios, but you have uh, uh, um, uh, photographers, right? And but you have 3D artists. So there's a lot of ways to create 3D con to, to create fit, like visual content today. A lot of methods. Some are physical, some are digital. Uh, but to scale it. You need, typically you need the physical objects, whether you want to scan it or, and now the industry is moving into a place where you don't have to have a physical asset. You're moving into 3D first. And this is shifting the entire way of, you know, people that are selling products, look at their visualization flow or their design flow. So 3D helps them from the moment they ideate a product, they think of, what is the next collection I want to design from that second onward, they can use 3d tools to make their work more efficient. So that market is divided into kind of two. One is the brands that are designing and manufacturing those products. Second is the retailers, those marketplaces that are selling those products. So these are the two main entities. And then on top of it, there are the marketers. Either publishers, right? So websites that drive traffic to those uh, either brand website or market or mark, uh, uh, um, retailers' websites, right? Uh, or platforms like Snap, Google. Uh, um, now, now it's evolving, right? So you have a lot of metaverses that are pulling into them. Like uh, you know, one of our one of our you know best partners is Epic Games. <laughs> and we work with them to make sure that they have enough inventory in 3D, right? So we're, we're improving their ability to, to ingest content. So all of that stuff is, is, is things that we're doing. And you see a lot of players, either the tofu, right? Top funnel, or, you know, people are using the technology to decrease sales. Let's talk a little bit about the role of 3D in, in the world. You know, and where we're at and, and the way that media is progressing and where we're headed. What is your perspective on, on 3D as part of our world? Uh, that's a great question. So first of all, 3D helps us better express ourselves, right? So we're not limited to the form that we were born with. Or now, you know, you mentioned avatars. Now it's unlimited. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's why it's so compelling to the younger audiences that, you know, if, if I, when I was, was a kid, I, you know, I dreamt to be a lot of things, but I couldn't be right. I was in this form, but now with all of those metaverses or games engines, you know, you, you can name it whatever you want, right? So th there's buzzwords, but there is like, you know, all of those endpoints at the end, they give those younger audiences, they give them the ability to better express themselves where it's augmented reality, right? Like what Snap is doing, filters, you see that at, at older audiences or to be completely immersed, immersed in inside those experiences, right? So if you look at the way that the 3D is impacting uh, the world is one, it's it's reducing costs, right? It makes us more efficient because we don't have we don't have physical world limitations. Two, it helps us express ourselves in ways that were, you know, unreachable before. Uh, and we're we're hitting some things. I, I see a lot of really interesting developments in that space, and you know, I can't I can't wait to see how it how it rolls out. Are there different? Are there any um, trends that that were clearly observing here as to how 3D is changing commerce or is changing the way that consumers make decisions or the way that they're perceiving some some items. It, it, it sounds like a, a really interesting notion from a consumer behavior perspective, transitioning from yeah. traditional two-dimensional e-commerce to a more experiential 3D one. Right. So uh, basically what we're selling here is a visual enhancement tool, right? Yeah. It just it helps you get products closer to your customers. If it's through augmented reality, right? So if I'm selling a sofa, I can let them put that sofa using augmented reality inside their rooms. So, or if it's, I don't know, uh, a model shot, I can render images so I can, I can show shoppers how a specific garment looks on one's body. And it lowers returns and it increases sales, right? So it makes everything more efficient. It lowers their carbon footprint. So it's it's also something that is very positive. Um, so these are the trends going into uh, uh, into 2023. Virtual try-on. So we just uh, uh, signed a, a very exciting partnership with TikTok uh, where we take TikTok's ability, right? So uh, uh, VTO, virtual try-on experiences or augmented reality experiences. And we give those type of abilities, the ones that you have inside the app, we give them, we give those abilities to websites. Um, so a lot of really interesting things are going to happen in 2023. And it's going to happen because of the recession, because of companies' uh, pressure to improve uh, uh, their processes and be more efficient. Mom. What are some of the big milestones that we're approaching, do you think, from in, in the 3D space or in the, the intersection of 3D in, in the world? Uh, where, go ahead. So headsets, headsets are not, so they're selling goods, good, right? So VR headsets are, are, are selling in good numbers. They're not what everybody wanted it to be. But their main issue is that the depth of use, right? So how many times I'm using it per day, per week is really low. And when you have that low penetration numbers, then you understand that this is not going to be a mainstream media. Um, so until someone invents a device that I can use on a daily basis all the time, like I use my phone, 
then these type of enhancements, visual enhancement, are going to be probably going to be used mostly from my phone. Um, so I'm not expecting anything to change anytime soon, unless, you know, the apples, the rumors, or, you know, I don't know, some, some manufacturer is going to surprise us with a device that we understand, okay, this is a, this is a game changer, but you know, these are very complicated challenges to solve. These are like very, very complicated physical problems that, that people need to, to figure out, um, how to make those devices small enough and comfortable enough for us to use, and then they can start augmenting our environment. Once you invent a device that can augment our environment all the time, then it's uh, that is going to be interesting because the amount of opportunities that are going to open up based off those devices are are endless. Where where is Hexa today? What what is happening these days with Hexa? So. We're keep on growing, right? So we, I think we grew this year from, I don't know, 60 to 130. Uh, we're, we, we keep on growing. Um, our customers are pretty happy with our services, even at these difficult times, uh, which are challenging for everyone that is dealing with mainly retail. Um, our happiness levels are as high as it can get. We measure them all the time and we make sure that, you know, they're, they're, uh, um, they're, they're at a certain level. Yeah. I, I know it sounds funny, right? It sounds like high tech key, but we measure happiness, like we measure sale, like the same way. Um, and that's it. I don't know. It's like we, I, I go to bed and I'm, I, it's like the only thing I can, I can think of is when I wake up in the morning and go and solve those, you know, extremely complicated problems. So we're still excited even after seven years into this journey. And it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And how have you grown as a leader over these seven years running Hexa? Oh, wow. I I can't even, I can't even explain how much I've grown as a, as a person, you know, not, not as a leader, not as a manager, just as a person understanding and being responsible for so many lives, it, it changes you. It's not something that uh, I take for granted. Uh, you know, that there is always that you know imposter, imposter syndrome that is 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 over there, and you're always thinking, it's like, am I the, the right person for this job? Can I keep on growing this company to a few hundreds, maybe a few thousands? Uh, can we serve those type of clients? Right. So we we work with really really demanding clients and. And it's not slowing down, right? It's only accelerating. Um, so I think I grew as a person a lot. I think as, as a manager, even more understanding how to stop being hands on and, and, and just like float or uh, over, over everything. When we passed that 20 person mark, that was really hard for me. I'm, I'm a hands on person. I like to do stuff and giving that responsibility to someone else was something that, you know, I went through. Uh, and it was, it was, it was hard. It wasn't easy. Um, but you know, we, we build our companies, especially when they grow so fast, we build our company every single year from, from the ground up. And we as leaders and, and us as companies, we need to make those changes. And unfortunately, you know, if you can't make that transition into the next phase of the company, you can, you can stay part of it. Uh, which, it, which is always very hard uh, in, in working in a startup. 
It's not, it's not, you know, applying or getting into a startup. It's not being success, successful in the first six to 12 months. Is how do you maintain, how do you keep on learning the new stuff and, and the new skills that are required for the next level of your role, right? That's, that's challenging. That's the challenge. And that's, that's why I'm so excited. That's why, you know, we haven't sold the company so far, though we have several opportunities because building it, it's so interesting. It's like a living organism. And, you know, making those changes and see how they, uh, how, how the organization reacts to what you're doing is by far the fascinating thing that I have ever done. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for the time and for your insights and, uh, and the openness sharing the story. This was really wonderful. And uh, can't wait to continue training from the side and seeing what this world evolves to. And, uh, and it's really, uh, really phenomenal. So thank you very, very much, Yechiel. And best of luck with Hexa. Thank, thank you so much. 